what's up? Welcome to Canucks Talk. Happy Friday, everybody. It is Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Drance, also covering the team for the athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. I feel like this has even more Friday vibes than a normal Friday, given where we are in the Canucks season. Yeah. The one game remaining before the break tomorrow against the Blue Jackets. Tomorrow's the, like, official Friday of the Canucks season. Of the season, yeah. Tomorrow, Saturday, is the official Friday of the Canucks season. (laughs) Uh, Because... It's all been one long work week up until now. You get a weekend, and then you go back to work. You know what it really is, man? It's the last day before Christmas break. Yeah. Now, the NHL has a Christmas break, but it's three days. Right? It's That's not a... You know, that's not meaningful Mm -hmm. the way that the bye week plus all-star break is. Like, that's the Christmas break where you get, like, a meaningful, feels like the midway point break. Mm -hmm. That's tomorrow. And I wonder if it's because, like, we had this massive sugar high coming off the Canucks versus the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday, right? It was this fabulous contest. Just the atmosphere in the building, yep. the three nothing lead, the Leafs storm back, the Canucks retake the lead. Mitch Marner shorthanded, Canucks take control and th- like, oh my god! And then it was like the Blackhawks, yeah, without Connor Bedard. Sorry, and I was trying to imitate the Canucks' performance with my tongue. <laughs> the Blackhawks, yeah, without Bedard, right? <laughs> the Blackhawks with less sizzle. Yeah, Blackhawks now with even less sizzle. Yeah. Then it was the Blues. Now, if anyone texts into the text line and suggests that Saturday's game against the Columbus Blue Jackets is a revenge game. A quote-unquote big game. Please leave. <laughs> please do not text the words revenge game. It's a game. It sure is. And definitely don't leave that as a review on uh, on whatever podcast catcher you use to listen to Canucks talk. It's a game. <laughs> it's uh, to, uh, it's, of all the games the Canucks will play this year, this sure is one of them. Sure is one of them. And that's okay. Like... I think we saw against the Blues that this team's not going to sleepwalk through it. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to see a solid professional effort. But it feels like this week has been this interesting moment where things have gone so well in the Canucks season. Five guys are going to head to the All-Star game, plus talk it. The attention of the market has been captured in a way that it hasn't been in a long, long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And when that happens, there's a beast that must be fed. Okay? There's this, like, stalking horse beast that that wants content and drama. And so it must be fed. And so we've tried to, not me, not we, yeah. but the market, it feels like, has tried to, like, feed it. And it's been like, Zdorov got benched. The Canucks lost. Um, talk it. Pedersen. And well, and and even even dating further back, right? It was like, will 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 the Pedersen circumstance change at the All Star yeah. break? It's like, guys, how many times are we going to try and kick this football? I think what you're hitting on here is there's a mismatch between interest right now and peaking. Yeah, because coming off that road trip yep. 
And as I said, you know, when I was doing the morning show with uh, with Bruff, I kind of said, we're just now starting to see people stop waiting for the other shoe to drop. Totally. Like, there's this, been this moment of mass buy-in from fans, I think from a lot of people in the media, from yep. national media. You know, you play that game against the Leafs, you come home. Interest. G- Jim Rutherford, right before that, gets the extension, and everyone's saying, wow, this sets them up really well for the deadline. So there's this moment of peaking optimism, peaking interest, while they're simultaneously playing, like, the least three interesting games on their schedule. Right. <laughs> the, the, the stakes and the level of interest have separated yeah. diametrically. And so it's like this week is the first step of Sydney Sweeney doing hot ones. Okay? Like, this is like, there's no spice here. Yeah. Zero spice content. Yeah. But on the other side of the All-Star break, right? Like, we're going to get to the bomb. We're going to get four games against the Kings. We're going to get the deadline. We're going to get... You know, th- two games against the Avalanche, three against the Jets. We're going to get this game with game 80 against mm-hmm. the Edmonton Oilers. Like, come on. Game 82 against the Jets. By the way, Oilers, 12 points back, four games in hand. Uh-huh. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, that know. game 80 could mean something. Mm-hmm. That's a four-point swing. So could game 82. Heck yeah, against the Jets. Yeah. That could determine your first-round opponent. We could spend a whole week being like, who do they match up better with? Who do you want to face? Like, man, we haven't gotten to do that in this market in 10 years. No. So the, this interest will be delivered on. It's just that this week didn't do it. And now, you know, we're, we're doing like stage four of the talk at Pedersen discourse. Yeah. And it's like we didn't really even do stage two. Like we had a, a highly contested debate on our <laughs> program about Tockett's commentary regarding Pedersen, where you described it as mild criticism, and I suggested, no, it was frank commentary. That was real uh, Stephen A. Skip Bayless stuff on our part. (laughs) (laughs) Spicy sports radio takes. Breathing fire on on this program known for for its hot takes. Uh, Truly, like, so yeah, I think this feels like the Friday of all Fridays. This is just like, let's get tomorrow done with. Let's spend a week doing, you know, deadline content and tracking the all-star skill mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. and, you know, reviewing the first half of the season and looking ahead to the second half. And then let's come back and we're going to get right away. Let's like, hit the ground right. Carolina, Boston. Like, we're going to get awesome hockey right away. And, yeah, it's hard to wait for. I get it. But, but I really do feel like this was just a week where everyone – I, I just wish it had been a little chiller. It should have been a little chiller. Next week. Next week will be chill. No, it's never going to be chill again. <laughs> That's not how we do it here. That's probably true. Uh, with that in mind, let's do uh, let's do today's edition of the whiteboard. All right, now, fellas. Hey, let's focus up, huh? It is the whiteboard for today, January 26th, your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks. And yeah, as you mentioned, I did just want, we're not going to dwell on it because we said our piece very briefly yesterday in the show. Uh, we were the first to react to talk its comments about the media. But as you said, we're in the fourth iteration or yeah. layer of discourse about this. So I'll just break down the timeline. Wednesday night, talk it comments on PD's game. Thursday morning, media talks about talk its comments. Thursday afternoon, talk it comments on the media's talk. About his comments. Now we're into Friday. Media talks about Tockett's comments. About the media's <laughs> talk about his original comments. I'm very excited to see where we can go from here. Can we get to a fifth layer? Can we get to a fifth layer? I believe in us. What do you think? Um, uh, you know what the fifth layer is? It's me walking away. <laughs> and then branding that 
branding that, suggesting to you that I'm going to walk it like I talk it. There you go. Um, but I will. <laughs> Sorry, I got there eventually. I was like, okay, like, where yeah, am I going? Going to calibrate where this am I instrument. Going? I think I've got a line. Nailed it. You did it. <laughs> the one thing I will say on this point is, and you made this point yesterday uh, in real time after the show. But well, I, I still think or it, on any, the show actually, anyone commenting on Tockett's commentary really needs to go hear the audio mm-hmm. for two main reasons. One, Tockett didn't come into the presser mad with a bone to pick about with the media. A question was framed to him. You know, the, a lot of discussion about you blasting Pedersen. And Tockett reacted strongly and negatively and fair enough to that formulation of his coverage, right? Very distinct from him coming in and being like, guys, I have something to say to you mm. based on my independent consumption of your content over the last 24 hours. That would be a totally different thing. And to me, that would be a real story. The second thing is, for all the suggestion that, hey, I might have to change how I talk about players and the media given this. Five questions later, he was asked about Ilya Mikheyev and yep. gave his usual, customary, super frank answer yep. about where Mikheyev's game's at. And, so, then he, and then he wrapped up. the. First of all, this was like an 11-minute presser, and the PE yeah. stuff happened early in it. So it's not as if he was like got mad about it and walked off. He just kept <laughs> answering questions for a long time after. And he ended it by joking about coaching the All-Star game. And yeah, three on three, they're not even going to listen to me. Ha, ha, ha. Like, he's having fun and... Having laughs with the media by the end of it. So, look, if I, I would be worried if I thought Talkit was going to shut down with us. That totally. would be a concern because I love listening to Talkit. I've, I've been very, very open about that. But the evidence we have, the one <laughs> segment of Talkit speaking to the media after these comments illustrates none of that. No concern whatsoever on that front. He also copped to how challenging this week can be for everybody. It's like, mm. yeah, coaches need a break from their team, too. It's like, well, too bad you're spending it with 25% yeah. of your roster. <laughs> Sorry about that, buddy. <laughs> no, so I, I mean, look, I don't think I don't think it's a concern. I don't think it's a thing. I don't think it's worth navel gazing about. I literally think this is just one of those, um, like maturity test moments for the market, and you know, don't don't no dunks need to be dunked in this case. It's I think, just over. I think in two months we're gonna look back and be like, remember, Taco will be give this incredible answer like in a playoff series or something. We'll be like, remember when everyone was worried that Taco would stop saying these cool things? But I don't think that's going to I happen. I think he's got a genuine passion for trying to help people understand yes. the game. Yeah, 100%. I, I think he just loves just, talking hockey too I much. think it's just bone deep. You know, like I think, truly, I think he, and by the way, that's good. You know, he had an interview on Donnie and Dolly earlier this season where he talked about how this is like a big analytics town, huh? <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, yeah, you know what? It is. Because people have a thirst to understand everything about the game. But what percentile of people on the planet understand the game as well as Rick Tockett? Like, he's literally in the 99.999 percentile for understanding hockey. I promise you, if you ever got an opportunity to watch a game with Tockett, he would notice things tendencies, all this stuff that you can't even dream about. Like, I've had a chance to do it with NHL coaches. It's it's wild how much they see. And his willingness to share that, especially in a market that just craves a deeper understanding of this sport, I mean, I think it's a match made in heaven. It's like a, an incredibly unique thing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that I've found valuable as a media member, and I think a lot of fans who follow this team with, you know, enough intensity that they're regularly watching coaches' scrums also – appreciate and benefit from.
Yeah, no doubt about it. I don't think it's going anywhere. Uh, other Me headline, either. as mentioned, Canucks wrap up their pre-bye week homestand against the Blue Jackets tomorrow. Uh, as somebody texted in, feels like Blue Jackets versus Canucks on Hockey Night in Canada is a scheduling oversight issue. I mean, look, it's not the most marquee game you're going to dream up, but hey, it's still the Canucks. So uh, we're not going to dwell Jackets, on this. Canucks? Blue Jackets want beat um, Calgary last night, I believe. Calgary. Yeah. Tough. Have you sold those, that stock yet? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, obviously, yes. Um, how, how, my, I think my, Jack Roslevic was injured in that one. But, but you, these are these are our Pacific Division penny stock teams, right? Yes. Like, I got the Kraken, Seattle. you got the... Yeah. And, like, the Kraken are going to the moon, baby! GameStop stock right there. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm not interested in Calgary anymore, unfortunately. Uh, but, anyways, Blue Jackets come in. <laughs> neither neither is Calgary. No, no, neither are the Flames. Uh, Blue, Blue Jackets tomorrow. We'll see if the Canucks can finish their pre-All-Star schedule with a win. Um, Wizard of Port... Like, don't want to don't totally downplay the Blue Jackets. They did beat the Canucks and play pretty well yep. uh, when last they faced. I guess they didn't beat the Canucks. They tied the Canucks and then won a coin flip, but mm-hmm. nonetheless. Um, but they look good doing it, right? Like their skating speed and uh, compete level was high, and, and obviously anytime you get to watch the Wizard of Port Moody, Kent Johnson play in his hometown, wor- worth noting, uh, that'll at least be you know, that'll at least be worth watching mm-hmm. on Saturday. Uh, to the broadsheet, lots of interesting things to pass along today. Emily Kaplan, writing in ESPN, uh, has this to say about how busy the trade deadline can be. She says, The league's parity has the Stanley Cup chase wide open this year, meaning the teams hovering on the bubble may take a more conservative approach. Only a few teams seem poised to push their chips all in for this season. She says, Vancouver is the name that consistently came up in this category. As usual, there could be surprises. Now, that's an interesting one to hear somebody saying, you know, a a national reporter based in the United States saying, very well sourced, uh, that the people she's talking to about who could go all in, Vancouver consistently comes up there. But I also just find the framing of the wide open nature of the race and how that could affect what different teams decide to do really interesting right because on the one hand you could look at it and say well so many teams think they have a chance or so many teams might have a little bit of a chance to win the Stanley Cup this year is that going to make it a crowded market for buyers right that a lot of people are bidding what Kaplan says is maybe you know teams are a little wary they you know those teams in that kind of four to six percent range of winning the Stanley Cup maybe a lot of them are pretty wary so maybe there won't be as many aggressive buyers uh, as you might think at this deadline. But is that who she's talking about? Or well, she's also talking about the bubble team. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, so there might I be fewer sellers. As, uh, well, I read it as teams aren't going to load up to make the playoffs. Mm. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Yep. Um, and like you could understand if teams like New Jersey are just like, man, this probably isn't our year, even though we've just put Dougie Hamilton on LTI. Yeah. Now that the could, Leafs, right? The like, Leafs absolutely should not, not our go. Year. The Leafs yeah. should not go for anything. You know, yeah. um, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, like Tampa. You know, like where it's just like, hey, uh, you know what? If the Leafs could find their version of of the Matthias Ekholm trade, that would be worth it. If you could bring in a multi year defenseman, mm. I, I would consider something like that. But uh, you know, they shouldn't be doing. They shouldn't be in the rental market. Come on. But I do think there's like eight teams that should be like. I struggle to imagine that the Winnipeg Jets wouldn't view this as a unique opportunity. You would think so. You would sure think they so. They have to. Yeah. They have to. And they need playoff revenue. Like, they have slightly different business priorities than your average team, given their, the size of their market, right? Mm-hmm. The the corporate base in their market. Um, 
I will be stunned if the Jets don't push chips into the middle of the table here. Uh, Vancouver, I think, should. Yeah. Edmonton, I think, should. Kaplan brings up Vegas. Just because it's it's Vegas. That's what they do. <laughs> they, they are extremely aggressive, yep. and they will be again, especially because uh, she passes along what seems to be a, a positive news update, too, on, on Jack Eichel's health, right? Um, yeah, I mean, you put all that together, and I do think, materially, there's going to be bitters. There's going – like, I th- – Colorado, you're telling me Colorado's not? I think Colorado definitely will. Right. Like, I think there's already, like, I know Lindholm, that name has been linked to Colorado, but they seem primed to do something. Florida? Carolina? In terms of, if we were to do... Probably not Boston. Like, Boston would be another one where I could understand Boston might not be too aggressive. You're telling me Lou Lamorello's not going to be aggressive? I would say the teams in the East, if we were to do, like ranking or maybe even drafting or tiering teams that should go all in or have like incentive to go all in Florida and probably the Rangers would be the two for me in the East. And then in the West, I think you can make a case for a lot. Obviously Winnipeg and the Canucks, Colorado, probably Vegas as well. Edmonton. I don't like they should go all in. They should, but do they have, what are the chips that they have left to play? You know what I mean? That would be my case. They still have some prospects. Yeah. I I just wonder if, yeah, they might not have enough juice, but I mean, you know, I'd still think that a player like Dylan Holloway, given his size mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. unique profile, would have value. Now, maybe they don't view that as a player they can afford to give away, uh, uh, given that, you know, he could well end up in their lineup, um, but like in the playoffs. But, you know, I mean, if you if Edmonton can find an, a meaningful upgrade on Cody Cece, I think you're beginning to cook with some oil mm-hmm. right and and certainly like i was i was thinking almost like if you could um you know Stuart skinner do you know okay best goalies in hockey since i was looking at this last night because uh joey decord took over for the seattle kraken my seattle kraken yeah on december 9th that's when he became their first choice goaltender and since then he's a 939 all situations which is tied for the lead league with connor hellebuck Woo! best goalies in hockey Who's three? I don't know. Stuart Skinner. Fourth is Thatcher Demko. <laughs> Pretty good. So lots of um, lots of good Western goaltending right now. But the, yeah, I mean, seeing like a team like San Jose who has like Barabanov, a guy with some juice and some speed, you know what I mean, for yep. their bottom six with that uh, Kako Kakinen backup goaltender depth. Both guys make under a million. Like, that's the sort of thing Edmonton should be trying to do all day long. But I think that puts them in a different market largely than what the Canucks are doing. Like, because I don't think Edmonton's going to go – can add a top six guy. You know what I mean? Without significantly subtracting, just in terms of salary cap and assets to play and all that. Right? So I think they're in a bit of a different market than the Canucks. They should pay whatever it takes to get off Jack Campbell and and add Mm. the best player they possibly can. Uh, Quickly also in the broadsheet, Elliot Friedman on 32 Thoughts. Says Vancouver not looking at Sean Monaghan, which we've heard they see him more of maybe a third line player as opposed to a top six. Says Vancouver is looking more at Lindholm or Adam Henrique. Mentions specifically they're interested in a versatile player that can play center or wing. He also mentions, of course, Gensel's name in connection uh, with the Canucks as well. I do think, you know, obviously we've heard Lindholm a lot. We've heard Gensel. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think that's the first time I've heard somebody report specifically Adam Henrique and an interest from the Canucks on that rather than just, hey, he would be an interesting target. But So I thought that was noteworthy. Adam Henrique's 
awesome, by the way. I think he would be a really good fit. Uh, the only the only concern I'd have, and I, I don't know exactly how much of this is him, but the Ducks PK has not been good at all, and he's been on the ice for a lot of those goals. Like, I don't know if he's... Mm. I, I feel like if, if he's acquired, the sense will be like, and he'll help stabilize right. the PK. And it's like, he kind of hasn't been a plus contributor there in a few years, but whether that's team effects or him... I'm not I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. Anyways, I think he would be a really interesting fit. And then just the one other note I wanted to pass along from uh, Rick Dollywell's hit with Halford and Bruff, noting when he's trying to think of potential targets for the Canucks, you know, it's useful for him to kind of go back and think who have the Canucks been interested in the past. And one name he mentioned, uh, Frank Vitrano with Anaheim as well, says the Canucks were really interested in him in the 2022 free agency. So, you know, he does have another year left on his contract. Would he be available? But I thought that was an interesting note to pass along. Uh, from Rick Dollywell, and he says he's hearing the same things as Friedman on Monaghan as well. Um, Vetrano's awesome. Really good player. Really good penalty killer. He's become a really good penalty killer. Scored a, a, a ton of big goals for the Rangers, right, when he was a mm, deadline mm-hmm. rental for that club a few years back. So, I, th- I mean, I think big game experience, speed. Um, Vetrano is basically Connor Garland. You know what I mean? Like uh, Garland's like a slightly higher end version of, of Vitrano, mm-hmm. and Vitrano's slightly bigger. Like the Hoaglander, Vitrano, you know, and the like. You can work your way up. Like Marchessault is the top version of this player. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. Uh, that. That would be my. I, I like the name. I like the suggestion. I love the player, but I, I do sort of wonder if there's really a fit, or if that would mm-hmm. be a bit redundant with how Vancouver's already built. In their bottom six. Uh, No lineup notes today. Day off after the team had their uh, Dice and Ice event last night. Of course, they'll play tomorrow, so we'll see what the lineup looks like in morning skate. Playoff forecast. Canucks, 55% chance to win the Pacific. Edmonton still at a 33% chance. And, of course, Edmonton winning its 15th straight game over the lowly Chicago Blackhawks. Uh, Did you watch it? I did not watch way, it. Though. Way more dramatic than it should have been. The, <laughs> the Blackhawks look like they could spend. Like that game could have gone on for 600 minutes and the Blackhawks wouldn't have scored <laughs> as, but, with a fluke, you know? Yeah. Whew. And, and, and you know, it's too bad because they're playing hard. Like ju- it looked a lot like that Canucks game where it was just like, man, there's no chance they're going to score. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is unfortunate. Uh, betting odds? Uh, yeah, the market for the game tomorrow I don't believe is open, but I'm just going to do a double check on that. Oh, looks like it might be. Okay, the Canucks Blue Jackets, the Canucks are minus 295 home favorites. Um, in some places, you can get them as low as minus 260 uh, if you you know want better value. And even money on an under of 6.5, so a, a lot more steam on the over 6.5 against the Blue Jackets, as it should be. I mean, the over even played the other night uh, against the Blues, um, you know, which didn't look likely at the start of the second period, or mm-hmm. the start of the third period. So, yeah, that's the uh, that's the gambling odds. By the way, some movement in Vesna um, betting where um, Hellebuck has now become, like, even money in most places. Hellebuck has now become the favorite for the Vesna, you know, on average. Also, um the Jack Adams voting has narrowed. There's a there's a second candidate who I sorry I noted this last night. I don't actually have it in front of me. I'm just going to take one second and pull it up. But there's a second candidate who seems to have 
close the gap with Rick Tockett, who remains the favorite. It's Rick Bonus of the Winnipeg Jets. That makes sense. Plus that three, makes a lot of sense. Plus 350, Rick Bonus has some market steam, according to the betting odds. That's the whiteboard for today, January 26th. Uh, up next, again, we talked about it briefly on the show yesterday, but one of the really interesting stories around the NHL right now, what's happening with the LA Kings uh, who are in crisis a little bit right now. Eric Stevens covers the Kings for the Athletics, so we'll check in with him and see what uh, what he can tell us about the situation. They're having a royal problem. <laughs> they sure are in L.A. right now. They're like, <laughs> you know those, you know those terrible ads for uh, like cheap mobile games you see where like the king is trapped in like a burning building or something and you have to rescue him of course that's the kings right now they're like ah, just help. hapless help it's like please match the blocks <laughs> get me out of this How situation many- jeez those app game ads are I'm so way annoying. Too, I'm way too tickled by that analogy. They are. <laughs> they are truly so annoying. Anyways, we'll talk to Eric Stevens from The Athletic next here on Sportsnet 650.